Welcome to another episode of the Your Houston Podcast. This is your host, Mario Castillo. Be sure to like and subscribe so you can catch all of our latest episodes. Today, we're talking to Silky Joshi Malik, author of The Total Nobody Who Ran for Office and Lost-ish, True Stories from My Failed Bid for U.S. Congress. We're going to talk to her about her decision to run and what that experience was like and what the experience was like writing her first book. We're really excited for this episode and excited to bring her on. We're really excited to be joined today by Silky Joshi Malik, author of The Total Nobody Who Ran for Office and Lost-ish True Stories from My Failed Bid for U.S. Congress and former Democratic congressional candidate for Texas House Seat 2. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mario, so much for having me. I'm very excited to chat with you today. Well, before we get into your run for Congress and your book, we're going to start off with our liftoff section. Ooh, exciting. Let's do it. I feel the liftoff. The clock has started. Roger. All right. You're going to go to one restaurant in Houston and order your favorite meal. Where are you going? What are you ordering? Ooh, okay. So I'm going to go to Chewy's and then I'm going to ask for like an extra side of the, of the green salsa. It's not salsa because like all sour cream, y'all. You know what's in it. <laughs> yeah. And then order like the nachos platter and like eat like a little bit of everything and then try the food of someone next to me yep. because dining out with me is terrible. I apologize in advance to anyone I ever eat out with. I will try food off your plate. We've gotten so many Tex-Mex uh, responses to that. It's, it's Houston. I mean, but yeah, Chewy's is great. It's just um, not the same, like the takeaway. I mean, it's okay, but it's just not the same, man. I, I miss it. I can't wait to be back in, in the restaurants. Okay. So COVID is, is over. Travel is back. Countries are open. Your first place that you're going on vacation, where are you going? Ooh, okay. So this sounds so bougie, but I wanted to go to Italy for my birthday last year. My birthday is March 27th and like we were planning it and then we start hearing about this COVID stuff. We're like, should we like wait to book the tickets? And then the weekend of my birthday is when lockdown was and like this year still lockdown. So I can't go anywhere. Lockdown. So I was like, man, we got, it's the only place I've wanted to go since like high school. And I'm like, why does this never work out? There's always something happening, but yes, Italy, if they'll have us, if they'll let the Americans in. Sure. <laughs> uh, what was the last book that you read? Um, Ooh, let's see. The last book that I read. Oh my God. Um, I think it was, I was rereading a David Sedaris book. It was during the freeze when like the lights were down off. And so I'm sitting there with like a flashlight. I'm like, I need something lighthearted. It was um, Dress Your Family and Corduroy and Denim. Okay. You haven't like, whoever's listening, if you've not read a David Sedaris book, you should. It's just. I haven't. I will admit, fully admit. Oh, so funny. It's, <laughs> I remember um, sitting in coffee shops back in the day when that was a thing before all of this and just like laughing out loud and people looking at you like you're the weirdo who, you know, doesn't want to sit next to you because you keep laughing while reading. Definitely check it out. All right. So you're in charge of booking the next Rodeo Houston performance. Who are you going to pick? Oh, don't judge me for being such a fuddy-duddy. I, I really want to see George Strait come back to the rodeo, and I would campaign hard for that. And I'm assuming I get special tickets and front row seats because I've helped secure this legend 
of yep. a musician. Okay. A lot yeah. of people want to see that oh show. God. Yeah, I know, right? But I, I, I like this alternate uh, fantasy where I get to sit front row. And then also he invites me backstage because now we're friends. Yeah, this is all realistic and possible. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> uh, if you could have a conversation with someone past or present, who would you pick? Ooh, um, oh, this is a hard one. Would someone past or present? Yep. Anybody. Probably, oh, you know, probably Malcolm X. Okay. I think that would be really interesting. He was one of those civil rights figures that like my school never really went into. It was all very Martin Luther King Jr. focused. Mm -hmm. And we were watching something recently and I turned to my husband. And I was like, man, he was like, charming and had swagger i didn't know that and imran was like well yeah that's why that's why they got him killed he was too like popular i had no idea how um powerful he was when he spoke at length and so i'd love to i was i told my husband i was like i would have followed malcolm i would have yeah. definitely been <laughs> one of those but yeah i think that could be interesting absolutely absolutely and we've we've had a lot of folks um mentioned civil rights leaders as as the the person they would want to have a conversation with um it's so pertinent right now too right like i feel yeah. a little we need it's nice to know that these people went through stuff a little like way worse than us but they managed to like dig down deep and, and keep persevering and i think a pep talk from one of the most you know influential and charismatic people the civil rights movement could definitely make me feel a little bit better when things get rough yep Okay, one more question. Um, what's your all-time favorite movie? Oh, God, I'm one of those people who, like, doesn't want... Oh, okay, okay. The Back to the Future trilogy, and I okay. will not be judged for it. I think it's just, it's the best. It holds, it's like 30 years old and still stands the test of time. I, think, I will watch it every summer. <laughs> I don't uh, care. It's my I favorite think, uh, movie. Our producer, Thomas, you just made a fan out of him. because. Oh, such a great... I mean, what's better than Back to the Future? Nothing. I dressed up as Marty for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I found this, the hoverboard and everything. I'm like, this is amazing. This is happening. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we're really excited that you're here and to talk to you about your run for Congress and writing a whole book about this. I mean, this is such a, a fascinating topic and there's a lot of people out there that uh, maybe they want to run for office one day or just are curious what that's like. So for you, what made you decide to run for Congress? Honestly, it's been sort of a weird five years because in 2015, we moved back to Houston from overseas, and that was sort of the, the beginning of the craziest election cycle I'd ever seen in my, my life. I think most of us can say the same thing, and I, I was following it very intently and just, I was one of those people who did not see Trump winning by a mile. Like, I just there's no way that's going to happen. Like, what would that say about Americans? That's not even a possibility. I was not one of those cool people who predicted the downfall of American democracy in 2016. So it, it caught me by immense surprise. And um, I was, I was like, okay, I'll run for office someday when I'm like much older. Mm -hmm. And then he comes into office and it's just a downward spiral, just like we predicted those of us who were scared about him winning. And I felt, I just had like a moral imperative that someone needed to do something. And I was not very prepared and I didn't think it through. And it was probably one of the more um, rash things I've ever done in my life. But I just 
I mean, you can only sit and yell at the TV so much before you have to do something. And that was my thing that I decided to do. And, and I totally get that. We, as, as our organization, we try to just activate neighbors, citizens to be involved in, in the local government, whether that's right. city, county, or school board. And we don't get beyond that for the, for the most part. But uh, running for office in general is, is something that can tie you in and, and activate you if you're interested in, in local politics. So Agreed. that's something that you did. You took that leap. Um, what was the biggest surprise for you? I was surprised at how supportive people can be, especially, I mean, I did not, I don't and did not at that time, definitely did not come from a background in politics. Um, no one I knew really cared about any of that sort of stuff. And having friends and family and people on the periphery just be very enthusiastic and supportive and wanting to block walk for you and volunteer for you was, was hugely surprising and very, um, it was inspiring to me that other people could care about what I was doing and want to help and, and be moved to action for the first time in their life to try and, and make some change happen. That was, that was the biggest surprise for sure. So there's folks that run for office and they say, gosh, that was horrible. I never want to do that again. You know, was that your experience? And, and if, would you encourage someone to run for office or would you say, you know, absolutely not. Don't do it. You'll regret it. I mean, I, I mean, I ran in a race that was definitely not, um, didn't have the nation's eyes on it. It wasn't this pressure cooker of a, you know, like a John Ossoff when he ran the first time, everyone's looking at you and the stakes are so high that if you fail, it might be nationally embarrassing. So there's this sort of, um, there was a sweetness to it in that, like I was getting to do what I wanted to do without feeling like people were counting on me and all this pressure was on me. And, and I imagine that sort of situation could be slightly traumatizing because you have like the national Republicans coming after you. And that sounds like that would suck so bad. So I got to do it like in this little bubble where I, I, I did what made sense to me and I loved it. And, um, it was, it was inspiring and it really solidified like my purpose in life that it's okay to stand up for what you believe in, even if you fail. So that's my, I think everyone should run unless you suck as a person, then please don't run. <laughs> those people already in office, but I think it's worth trying and seeing how you can affect change. And if you are, um, I would hope if you're going to run for office, you're not someone who's too, too deterred by failure. Right. It's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, and it is exhausting. And um, you're basically faking it till you make it because you, you, it's it's hard to. At least for me, there's this. Who am I to be doing this? Like, oh my goodness! But you have to sort of remind yourself that anyone should be able to run and represent the the people around them. And um, it's not for the faint of heart. And I think people who take the role seriously are the ones we need to run for office. Right. So I do always encourage people to run. I thought it was great. It changed my life in a million ways. So. Well, I think that's really encouraging to hear because, you know, you hear people that run and they don't have a great experience and then they tell people all about it and that could discourage people from stepping up. Um, but for you to have an opposite experience and encourage everyone to do it if they want to. Uh, I think that message needs to get out. I agree. And it's, there's something cool about being the underdog and no one's really putting all this pressure on you. And 
I mean, you just have to set out to do what you want to do. Don't let people get in your head about it and put project whatever they think it should be on to you. Just, you know, be your own person and, and try to do what you think is right. And I, I can't imagine it going to be horrible more than any other scary thing we try to do in life everything has ups and downs and there's an upside if you're successful and you can you know politics is crazy anyways so I would I had that understanding I might not have like been part of the world of politics but I'm like this is this this feel crazy people so like that's my expectation and so it was um a lot more pleasant than I you know was worried about it worked out really well I, I met you because I ran for office, Mario. That's true. And we both yeah. did uh, New Leaders Council together in 2019. Exactly. So. It's, uh, it can open up a whole new world for, for folks like me who hadn't been part of the political process before. So you weren't necessarily like a, an, an insider or Correct. plugged in, but you still, so anyone can, can do what you did. They don't have to be a political operative or working for an elected official or, you know, right. in that space. Exactly. And that's one of the things I love about, I mean, let's be honest, there's a lot to dislike about this country at times politically and government wise. But one of the best things that we have that so many other, even Western countries know is that literally anyone can just get their name on a ballot and run at any level. That is that is so just quintessentially American. Yep. Like, you're not going to stop me from doing something just because I'm not, you know, like an old white man who's rich. And that's sort of how it should be. I mean, there are, um, you know, that we get some of the crazies uh, in Congress because that rule applies to them too. But it's, it's pretty fantastic. You just, if you're willing to show up and, and put in that work, you you have a chance. All of us have have an equal chance. I mean, you could be a billionaire as we've seen and not make any headway. You can yep. come from nothing and get elected. It is sort of this thing you can you can do for yourself. And I still think that's very beautiful in light of how depressing politics can be at times. So you run, you come in third place and right. then decide to write a book which is published. So (laughs) let's, let's talk about that because that's also something that people can aspire to do. Maybe they don't know where to start or, or even where to begin. Um, and you're able to, to do that. So what made you decide to share your story there? Well, I, I, I think a lot of people who do something scary and come up short can, um, in the, in the lower moments of that sort of be down on themselves, like, Oh, why did, I mean, who was I to even try? Why did I think I could do anything? And there were moments like that, even after I lost, just if you're trying something and it doesn't work out, your brain just will automatically do a replay of like the biggest failures of your life. And I, and I remember, I don't know what I was applying for or something. And I had gotten a rejection. And I was like, oh, such a nobody. Why am I even trying for blah, blah, blah. And then at the same time, my brain was like, you're not a nobody. You ran for office. You're like trying to be a change maker. That's a big deal. And this sort of um, light went off where I realized, hey, my experience, just because I didn't win doesn't mean I didn't learn things and doesn't mean I um, am not a better person for it. And I just sort of began writing. I'm also one of those people who loved Chicken Soup for the Soul books when I was little. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. You It's just, oh, I love those books. They really inspired me. And I still remember some of the stories. And I they're very foundational to my personality and my moral compass and all of that. And 
I, I realized that, you know, you can, being a failure doesn't mean you are a failure at everything. You just, this thing didn't work out, but I learned so much. And, and so I just sort of began writing it down and went from there. So you got, you get your thoughts on paper or on Microsoft on paper. I had to write it down. I tried to type and I'm like on my laptop every day writing and it sounded terrible. It sounded like I was writing a school paper or something. So I started <laughs> journaling it. Yeah, it was so bad. My editors were like, this is boring. What are you doing? And so I went back and just basically started from scratch and started writing on paper. And it was much more authentic and, and flowed out of me very quickly, actually. So you get your thoughts on paper and in terms of the book itself, do you take that to a publisher? Do you reach out to a publisher first and say, Hey, I have this story. I want to share. I want to write a book. What's, what was that like? So there's so many different ways to do it. You can find an agent first. You want to have, um, I mean, depending on the genre, you want to have several pages or thousand words written out and you start looking for, agents and then they help you find a publisher who will publish it and their agents who are specific for different genres nonfiction, fiction if you're gonna write like a technical sort of book and you go from there and you start sort of finding people and then they get you set up with editors and all that kind of stuff and then you basically have to rewrite your book like three times or four times <laughs> which is like not something i had anticipated it's like, I'm sorry, this first drop is amazing. Excuse you, but no, you have right. to do it you're a putting more. yourself out there and, oh, yeah. and putting words on the paper and you're having to correct that. You're getting told, oh, make this better or this isn't good it's enough. Brutal, right? Because you're like, I wrote this, screw you. I think this is great. And then I, mm, you need to fix it. <laughs> so are you still involved in local, you know, activism and politics? Is this something you're going to keep uh, tuned into? I think so. I think it's one of those, um, I don't know. There are moments where I'm like, man, this is exhausting, but you just, you can't step away. So I am a precinct chair. I do encourage folks who are listening. If, if you're, if you're curious on how to get involved, that's a great starting point, be a, a democratic precinct chair or Republican precinct chair for where we are you... nonprofit. So exactly. So very nonpartisan, whatever you want to do, but precinct chair is a very nice way to start to get involved in that process. Um, I really love helping run the elections. I like being a judge for that and um, making sure that when people come to vote, they feel like it's a safe, secure, pleasant sort of experience. And that's, it's, you know, when I was younger and I would go vote and I'd see these old people sitting there and they've been doing it for decades. I never understood, but like, I get it now. I'm going to be like 70 years old sitting there trying to run the like local election in my like school or something, because it's so much fun. It's exhausting, but it's so much fun. Totally agree. And, and so we can put links up to precinct chair. Uh, you said sign up to be a precinct chair. That's a great way to get started. Yeah. Yes, that's a that's a fantastic way to get started. When I first first started getting involved, I would just go to whatever meeting was happening nearby and just okay. began um, trying to figure out what is interesting to me and what I personally care about. There's so, like you said, there's so much stuff going on at the local level. You could get involved in your own like um, city council district, or you can you know, the federal stuff, if you want to block walk for a candidate running, or if you want to, there's so much stuff you can do. And you just show up to these 
whatever meetings you think are happening just ask around that's what I did it was so awkward because I had no idea how to do anything I was like so what do I do now do you know anyone who's interested in this or is there a club that meets that's about this it was like being in high school again trying to find a club to belong to but it's fun it's a good way to meet people who are passionate about things you're passionate about so if you're curious about getting more plugged in, really, it's all about making that first step and going to a meeting. I guess nowadays it would be virtual for the meantime, Yeah. But putting yourself out there, meeting people, asking questions, and then getting plugged in to more things or fine tuning your interest and in, in your group from there. Yeah, I, that's exactly it. I think sometimes we can conflate the, um, the craziness of politics on the national level with how it might be at the very local level, but it's not like that at all. It's very, people are very welcoming. This is most, most of the folks who are involved have jobs. This is upholding democracy and being part of it at the very nitty gritty level is these folks like personal passion and belief system. And it's the reason why we can pull off you know, local, state, and federal elections, because there are so many people volunteering at every level. When my husband started getting involved because of me, he's from Pakistan. Like, this, like, civic engagement is not a thing in so many countries, or if it is, it's corrupt, and and there's no um, guarantee that the people getting involved are not, like, stealing votes or whatever and when we would go to all this stuff we'd pick up the election equipment he could not believe that like hundreds of people are in line volunteering their time to help run an election it was mind-boggling to him and so if you're worried that people might be unfriendly or might be catty because it's politics it's not like that at all people are very very friendly and eager to um help you get involved and find the thing you want to do when it comes to local involvement and that, I mean, that's a lot of what our focus is specifically around quality of life issues. And when you get down to the, the neighborhood, the local hyper local level, those issues aren't partisan. I mean, right. sidewalks aren't partisan and safe streets and mobility and uh, making sure that your neighborhood is safe isn't partisan. These are just issues that everyone, you know, wants to see doing well in their in their neighborhoods and exactly so getting plugged in there even if it isn't overtly political with a with a political party Mm -hmm. uh, you can still get you know into um, areas or of interest or plugged into groups super neighborhoods civic clubs um, and branch out from there exactly there's a there's there's a million different ways you can get involved and make your community a little bit better so for someone who would would say, okay, I think my plan is to get more active. I think my plan might be to run for office. They come to you for some advice. What would you say now that you've been through this process, you've gone through an election, you've written a book, you've, you know, what would you say to them? If they want to get involved, I would. So what I have done is when people ask me, I say, okay, what, what is it that you're interested in? And depending on their interests, I personally, because I'm talking to them, I will connect them with different organizations or clubs that I know um, are doing the thing that they're interested in. So I think I, I, I used to like going to the meetup.com website and seeing there was this um, one uh, liberal ladies who lunch. And that was helpful for me to sort of figure out, okay, who, who meets and like, how do these meetings work? And mm-hmm. There's just, I always say, Google the thing you're interested in and like the city you're in. And that 
thank God we can connect with each other over the internet now. It's so much easier than yeah. it used to be. But um, I always, yeah, or plug into your local party, email them or go to their website and see what activities they have going on and just start, like I said, it's it's a matter of showing up. And I'm sure, Mario, you can attest to this. Half of, of anything with regards to politics or political involvement is just showing up. It is. And it's it's surprising, especially when you think of, of like City Hall, which right. meets, you know, Tuesday at 2.30 for public session. And the folks that show up and speak are the ones that get attention, they get their issues resolved. But who can be there? I mean, if you're working shift work, if you're working, yeah. uh, taking a bus to go to Katie to work at a restaurant to take a bus to come back, I mean, you can't be at City Hall at 2.30. Uh, I guess now that it's virtual, you know, things are a little more accessible, but showing up is such a key part. And that's, that's a, a, intimidating to a lot of people because they're going to be there by themselves and they have to take that step by themselves. And you know, you can talk yourself out of it real easily. And that's so true. But if you're listening and you're, and, and you're one of those who might find it awkward or intimidating, take comfort in the fact that those of us who have done this a million times before still find it intimidating. And I still have to, I mean, 75% of the, of my life is like trying to talk myself out of doing things and refusing to like allow myself to flake out of things. If you read my book, there's all these instances in which I'm like, I'm just not going to show up to this campaign thing because I'm afraid I'm going to be embarrassed, but I power through. So, you know, take comfort in most of us who are seasoned, hate it and still show up and feel awkward and intimidated. <laughs> yeah. I, I have read your book. I thought it was a great insight into what it's like to be a candidate and those internal discussions that you have with yourself that you talk about. Um, and the, the people that you describe when you talked about all the people at a luncheon, I was like, I've met this person. I've met this person. I sat next to this person at one. So <laughs> because it's true. I mean, it, all those types of folks, they're always at luncheons and, you know, you never know luncheons are a thing until you're, you're, you go to your first one and then you go to one every other day. So true. I used to think that they were just, when I first one, I was like, this is so fancy. And then after like your 10th one, you're like, I'm exhausted. And <laughs> can't keep eating the luncheon food. I know. It's not the healthiest. <laughs> well, All about that free dessert. I know. How are you going to turn it down? It's, just, it's sitting there right in front of you and they expect it would be you. offensive to not yeah. eat it. Well, we really appreciate you taking time to be here and sharing your wisdom on what it is, what it's like to run for office and how you wrote a book about it and the process. Because I think that this is something, whether people run or not, I think it's something that people think about and they might hear one side of it, but your side is a very different one. And I think that needs to be heard. And, you know, there are people out there that want to write a book and they maybe have started they jot some things down and then it falls by the wayside. But uh, that's something that you've done and you've demonstrated that, you know, people can do too if they, if they really want to. Just don't give up. It's all persistence. Most of the time, it's just like I said, it's like you want to quit, but you don't let yourself quit. <laughs> so that's the biggest part, I think, of everything. Well, we're going to move to our last segment here, which is called Houston, We Have a Problem. Okay, so your publisher comes back to you and says that they're printing a second edition, but they need you to write a new chapter to your book. 
what are you going to talk about? Ooh, um, to write a new chapter of my book. Mario, this is a stumper. I, I guess I would elaborate a little bit more on what life is like after the election, because I didn't get to talk about that too much and um, how it can be very easy to sort of you're doing when you're when you're a candidate you feel very purpose driven and it's very obvious what you're doing why you're doing it and it's very intense and um if you don't win finding ways to keep tapping into that i care about democracy i care about being involved but the the fabulousness of being a candidate is gone mm -hmm. and that can sort of get to you where you just show up to places and you aren't anybody anymore because you're not running for congress and like people don't care the same way right and that can be like a mental hurdle to get over because now you're a regular person just trying to make democracy happen at the local level and it's not glamorous and how do you how do you stay engaged when at the very beginning it kind of is lame and you don't feel like it's as awesome and i think that that I know a lot of former candidates that struggled to stay involved after losing their election. And that is not something that helps us as a community and as a country. So I think that would be my chapter. Like you're no longer popular and cool, but you still need to stay involved. There you go. Look at that. I already have a title for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Silky Joshi Malik, author of the total nobody who ran for office and lost ish true stories from my failed bid for Congress. We really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you for having me, Mario. Can't wait to uh, hear this on the podcast when it's all finalized and done. We just finished our conversation with Silky Joshi Malik, author of The Total Nobody Who Ran for Office and Lost-ish, true stories from my failed bid from U.S. Congress. We really appreciate her time and her insight, and thank you for being here. Thanks for watching. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you can catch all of our latest videos. And don't forget to check out our website, www.yourhue.com, for all the latest information on what we're doing around Houston. Thank you again. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.